Welcome to the Full Dive Gaming Podcast, bringing you a weekly dive of all the news, discussion, and insights you need for virtual reality gaming. This podcast is brought to you by Asterian Products, a top-selling company on Amazon, designing revolutionary products for VR and AR, including the Asterian Aura VR stand. I'm Jay Brat, a VR YouTuber whose channel reached 10,000 subscribers today. Woo! Big celebrations. It's an awesome day. <laughs> I'm Adam Charlton, a software developer who recently bought into you know this thing called the quest 2 there's been a lot of hype about it <laughs> and uh it's been a lot of fun and i'm lipnox vr and i uh, mostly cover indie games for the oculus quest but i do cover stuff on other platforms too but indie is my focus <laughs> well our podcast is here to keep you up to date in the vr realm we answer questions from our communities followed by some of the latest and greatest vr news and then we discuss the games we've been playing lately and some of the vr concepts that come from there if you haven't seen our YouTube channel, we're all sitting here not in VR for the very first time on this show. <laughs> Let us know if you miss the VR or if you like the face cam. Uh, you get to see my extremely messy background. Um, <laughs> and you can tell whether or not you enjoy seeing our lovely non-virtual faces. Uh, Jay, what questions do we have this week for our listeners? Crud Nation on our Discord asked an amazing question. I'm going to try and summarize it down to make it a little, little more simple to talk about real quick. Basically said, I've got an interesting question. Do you guys think VR could ever create a tangible experience? And what he meant by that was when you think back to playing No Man's Sky, does your brain think, I was one time flying through space and I landed on this planet versus, oh, I played this game where I was in VR and I fly this spaceship. He's talking to memory so vivid that it, actually seems like a real memory instead of getting categorized in your brain as a gaming experience. So the, a really interesting thing here is actually this is one of the reasons why they don't recommend VR for kids, because a Stanford study found elementary school age children when asked later on about those experiences they had thought they were real memories and not oh, a boy. game they played. Now, it's one thing if they're in a museum looking at fine art and they think that it's another thing if you put them in Resident Evil 7 and the kid <laughs> thinks that really happened to them as a small child. So what do you guys think about this question? So for me, I looked at this question and immediately a memory triggered in my head because I have actually had VR dreams where I'm in <laughs> VR in the dream. <laughs> and I'll tell you, I've never had non VR game dreams. So mm -hmm. it definitely has this thing where it, your memory attaches these playing VR games in a different way than playing normal games does for me. And I think it's more just extreme moments of immersion. I remember one moment specifically playing that Spider-Man demo on PlayStation VR, the very first one. And I remember just this period where I almost fell over because I was feeling that immersion so much more. And I think that... For me, when I look at this kind of question, it's like, yeah, because you have moments like that where you're just so immersed that these things get triggered in your head as actual things that happen to you. And maybe not to, on the same level as an actual traumatic experience. But, you know, some of the, some of those jump scares I've had, they they stay with you. <laughs> you got real. Yeah, and, and I definitely think that there's a point there. But I think that immersion maybe is a little bit different from thinking it really happened. Levels of immersion are incredible when they happen in VR game, where you feel like you lose yourself in the game a bit, where you feel like it comes close to reality. But I'm never going to, once I take off the VR headset, ever look back on that experience as anything but being in a VR headset. Um, yeah. and <laughs> I now agree with that 100%. Yeah, definitely. 
And so I think that it will happen. I do think it will happen eventually. Um, but I think that technology needs to improve to the point where there's going to be enough continuous immersion for that to feel like a real tangible experience. Now, you both you both brought up really interesting points there that I kind of want to touch on really quick, because this is something that's really interesting to me, really personal. Uh, Lipnox talked about getting really immersed in the game and almost falling over, which I mean, that's happened to me so many times. But then, Adam, you're kind of talking about how, you know, it it's never going to be more than a memory. I've been in VR for a lot of years now, sometimes not always in my uh, fully right mind, if that makes sense. And so I don't know if I've had different levels of things. I've experienced different things, but I've never thought back and thought, oh, one time I did this. Oh, no, that was VR. But there was a time when I was watching a show and the character on the show was in a really harsh environment trying to survive. And in my brain, I thought, oh, I've been in that situation, too. And then I thought, what am I thinking of? I've never been in like a life and death situation. And I traced it back and I was thinking of a VR game called the Solus Project, this random, just really freaky survival game. And that was how my brain was trying to relate to the situation I was watching on TV, telling me, oh, you've kind of been in this spot too. And I was like, okay, not at all. That was a game. But for that moment, it was like my brain said, hey, there is this going on that you've thought of before. So it can kind of it can kind of get in your brain a little lodged around differently. And uh, the other thing I didn't touch on there, also a common side effect from new people to VR is saying that they're remembering their dreams for the first time in years or they never Whoa. do. So that's a commonly reported side effect. So what, what what does that change either of your feelings? What do you think about that? I would say that just for me, like all, all, all three of us, what we said, I agree with. I think it just kind of comes down to the reality that, when I think of sort of remembering something as being real, I attach that immersion thing because, you know, at, at no at no point, like I said, do I look back and think that any of those moments were actually real. But I mean, there, there, there might be moments where I'm doing normal activities that I might mix up with with VR in real life. But I, I, I don't think I would ever get to a point where I watched uh, Taint, Texas Chainsaw Massacre and was like, I fought that guy in Resident <laughs> Evil. This is this is just like my life. <laughs> no, but I feel like that the story that you told, Jay, is really interesting about where you were watching something completely unrelated, but you were able to relate to it because of an experience you had in VR. And that is really fascinating. Um, and I feel like had I had a better college degree in these sorts of things that I could tell you about <laughs> it a lot better. <laughs> um, but I feel like that I I'm still going to rely on my previous point a bit. I don't think that when you look back on that memory, it's ever going to feel like a memory other than being in VR. Um, but there's some subliminal things there, you know, where it feels like, oh yeah, I went and I survived in the cold harsh of the Arctic. Um, and I feel like that the more realistic VR gets better headsets, more, you know, more encompassing, more immersion. Um, the term is just continuous immersion where you have long periods of feeling, you know, this is reality in a VR headset. Those moments are going to become stronger and stronger as time goes on. 
I think it's a really cool discussion. I think the last thing we'll kind of leave the listeners here with is if you played VR and you think, oh, I've never had these levels of immersion. How do I get there? A couple of random things I've read about. One person uh, was playing Skyrim for hours and then they got really tired and they just fell asleep. And the moment they woke up and they were laying by the by the river, the water was running and they were scared. just for that first like 10 seconds. They felt like they were really there, like they were so disoriented. So that was a way that someone said, you know, they really achieved that level. And then uh, another one, if you are uh, in a place where you could do these things and you're of an age to do them. I had a friend come over for, from the bar one night and the next day he he loves VR. So he wanted to do everything that night in VR. The next day he's like, I have no idea what was real and what wasn't real last night. He's like, I remember all these, I have all these crazy memories in my head of all these crazy things we did, places we went. And he's like, I can't separate what was real and what wasn't real. So a couple that ways is to- wild. <laughs> If I, if I can add up. to that, Go uh, I would say that uh, if you play some of those room scale games like T for God, where you're actually moving your feet to walk around, mm-hmm. they do a really good job of tricking your brain into being immersed in the experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We saw that in Zero Latency and now with like Space Pirate uh, Arena yeah. that you can play. Yeah. It, it changes. I think it there's another actually treasure game, too, isn't there? Uh, I heard there was another one coming. I haven't tried it yet. So, yeah, yeah. I, haven't, I haven't tried that one. Yeah. Anything that lets you get into it. Uh, Crowd Nation, <laughs> thank you for the question. Really good one. Maybe we'll maybe we'll do a whole discussion on it one day because I really like this question. Yeah, th- this is a this is way more than a Q&A question. This mm-hmm. is what we dedicate an entire episode to, I feel like, one of these days. <laughs> yeah, well, we got some news. Adam, do you want to tell them about our sponsor? I would love to. So our sponsor for today's, to, for today's news section is Asterian Products. Um, we've been telling you about them for a long time. They've been our long-term partners and we are loving the, um, products that they have because they are insanely good and high quality. Uh, today we're going to be telling you about their brand new product, a VR floor mat called the origin. It sits right on your floor. Um, so you're able to get sort of this tactile sense of how far you're supposed to go before you start you know, punching your walls with your VR controllers. Not that any of us have ever done that. Um, it's currently available on Amazon and you can save an extra 10% on any of their products with the code FULLDIVE21. Boom. FULLDIVE21. Use it. Uh, today is a great day in the world of PSVR because PSVR players have been waiting a very long time for a feature we got on PC and Quest about a year ago. Beat Saber multiplayer. I actually made a video. I looked it up today and it was about when they said it was delayed. It was literally one year ago to the day that I posted (laughs) that video of them saying it's been delayed. We're hoping to have it out by January. Here we are a year later and it's out. So PSVR players, it's still not cross play yet, but they can now play with other PSVR players. You can get in PS4, PS5 parties so you can actually talk while you're playing it. And they also dropped a new spooky beat uh, song by Jaroslav Beck. you two don't play on PSVR. How does this strike you? I mean, I have it on PSVR. I, I bought it first on PlayStation VR. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> o- honestly, to me, with this whole update, I honestly didn't know it took this long for it to come out because <laughs> I would have assumed that if you wanted a multiplayer update, the PlayStation VR would be the best place for that because there's no custom songs. So your audience <laughs> is pretty much everyone's going to have the same songs. Yep. 
and they're going to actually have the song packs. So you can actually play them together because they never yeah. get that on multiplayer online. Uh, I know a lot of people in the comments even said kind of the same thing you did. Like, I love my PlayStation VR and I kept waiting on this and I finally got a quest because I couldn't wait any longer. But it's there for the people who still have PSVR. I'm excited. I want to go play it. I was supposed to play it with uh, people the day it launched a year ago when it was supposed to launch. But it's so hard when you're used to PC or Quest to go back to playing on PSVR with the way that there's a different controller delay when you're swinging them. And it's just so much harder. But how, did you two, did either of you get in and try the new track today? I wasn't able to. This no. is a reason to pick up Beat Saber again if you haven't played it in a while. Not so much because of the track itself. The track itself is a Jaroslav Beck track like a lot of the other ones. Uh, but the environment, you're like looking oh. at this spooky road that's what i these want <laughs> hands cut these zombie hands are sticking up out of the sides and there's like this haunted house in front of you and then the colors are all halloween you know the notes are orange and black and then the the colors of the road are red and green and it just it just looks so cool i'm not, I'm not even doing it justice telling you and even if you go look up a video you know how it is you got to be in the beat saber world to feel it and I definitely I'm gonna, any songs, any Beat Saber I play between now and Halloween, even if it's Billie Eilish, I'm going to play it in this environment because it's so cool. <laughs> yeah, well, that's one thing with the Lincoln Park pack. I was like, oh, this looks amazing when they have this real awesome custom level. So I'm actually quite intent on checking that out after the show. Yeah, yeah. Uh... It is. It's definitely worth it. And like like you said, it's so much better when they actually try and make an environment now that they've started doing that instead of, you know, just kind of being abstract and laser lights, like having it look like something like even with Green Day with the hand grenade up over the city, like it just makes it so much cooler to see that. So I'm it's the little details make it just feel so specific, you know, mm. otherwise it's just another generic Beat Saber uh, environment. But having those specific environments for those specific songs just makes it that much cooler of a memory when you play it definitely, definitely. i'm we'll honestly surprised out. that they're still updating psvr if i can be <laughs> quite honest it, it seems a little dated right now oof oof I, I think it's a loyalty situation at this point where if you burn those customers now you won't get them later it, it's that <laughs> and i bet you just like you mentioned earlier i bet you psvr players have bought the most song packs by a long shot oh just because like, they don't have any other options yep yep they probably buy you know i bought every pack back when i was on PC and they were coming out and i'm sure a lot of people have and so they're actually probably making more money in essence off the psvr crowd than they are off the others that's really interesting and multiplayer is just going to give them more opportunities to buy those packs because you're going to want to play all those packs with your friends or against them Yep. Yeah, well, that, that could be a reason to double buy for people that own it on multiple headsets. It's like, oh, you want to play with your PSVR friends multiplayer? Buy the songs oh. again. You know <laughs> how many times I have bought Beat Saber now and the song packs for Beat Saber? Way too many. Uh, <laughs> Adam, tell me something else. I got I to gotta stop thinking about the money I've spent. I know. We talk about Beat Saber every week. Time to talk about <laughs> another one of our favorite games. We're going to be talking about a huge update to Blade and Sorcery. So Blade and Sorcery, we've talked a bit about it on this channel. It's a personal favorite of mine. It's, uh, it is my favorite psychopath simulator that is on <laughs> VR. Um, so for the listeners who don't know, Blade and Sorcery is a, it's currently a sandbox game of medieval weaponry with a little hint of magic thrown in. Um, you get thrown in up against mercenaries or cultists or town guard. And you just slaughter them by the dozens with a variety of medieval weapons. Um, it's still up up there with Boneworks takes the cake for some of the most intense melee combat you can get. 
and you know you stab someone right in the chest and they dragged all over the place it's a good experience but they got a huge update this week it is the dungeons update in this one there is a procedurally generated dungeon Uh, it's different and randomized every time you come in where you work your way through a level instead of arena combat where enemies come at you you're hunting around this level for enemies dodging through dungeons climbing up ropes just trying to get to the end of a map and it's really it's an interesting dynamic shift from this arena combat were either of you able to try it out this week lip have you ever played blade and sorcery I honestly, it's one of the, it's one of my guilty pleasure kind of experiences because I am the type of person that when I get a game like that, nothing else will get played for like a month because there's so <laughs> many mods, there's so much to play with. And I've already done it before where I've had one of these games where it just becomes the entire, nothing else gets played because I get so obsessed with these kind of games. And I honestly, I did the worst thing to myself recently. Epic Games gave me like $15 credit or something. And I was looking for something to buy in the store and it had to be something that was over $20 or something. And I saw Chivalry 2 on there and I was like, oh, I need this. And I it's like three hours, just gone immediately. Just hit play and it's just gone. And Blade and Sorcery is basically the VR version of that. So I, I know, I know. It's just, it's not, it's not a me not liking the game. It's a me liking the game too much situation. I'm worried what's going to happen. I, I do understand yeah. that. So yeah, uh, as someone who, who actually held out for a while, I will tell you, once you do get into it, it is everything you expected. I played the dungeons. I only got in like 20 minutes before the podcast and tried to play it. But I'm glad you mentioned that it's procedurally generated, Adam, because I get in the environment and there's this like building you can go into or this like creepy tunnel off to the side. And I was like, it's got to be the creepy tunnel, right? That's where the dungeon is. <laughs> so I went down there and it's like boarded up. And I was like, oh, maybe I could chop it up. And I was standing there for like two minutes smacking this door. <laughs> and I was like, OK, this isn't the way to go. And so I went back up into the church and got killed. And then I, I come back. And so I, I'm like, OK, I guess I have to go in the church or the building, whatever it is. I go in and it's boarded up now. <laughs> and so now I had to go in the tunnel. So I did not get very far into this, but I've I've got to say I've got to sing some praises. It's a very small indie dev team. They do an amazing job with this game. I'm not sure if it's still technically in early access. I know it, it was forever, but this update, not only did they add this, they added a new home environment, a new menu in the beginning, and it all looks gorgeous. The environment looks gorgeous. It does remind you that Blade and Sorcery is not meant to be this game yet. And it, it needs some some maybe some retuning or something because like Blade and Sorcery is a game where you're you're grabbing somebody's axe and you're slamming it into their face and you leave it there and you grab someone else's weapon. And all of a sudden in this one, I'm finding I'm dropping my weapons. I'm not thinking about it. I don't have any weapons on me suddenly. Uh, <laughs> what else? What else was there that was kind of like, oh, this is going to be really good. But right now it feels a little off. I felt like the parkour stuff. There was the parkour stuff is definitely a little finicky. Mm -hmm. Um, It can lead to moments of amazingness where I'm I'm sliding down this rope on an axe and I hop off and I stab some unsuspecting mercenary in the back with a dagger. Amazing. It can be a little janky at times, too, where I'm climbing a rope and I try and get off the rope and you do that weird VR thing where you grab the rope with one hand and you move your arm as far away (laughs) as possible. So when you let go, you land on the floorboards. Um, So there's still a little bit of janky, but uh, and and you can tell that the game is still a work in progress. One of the funniest things where I had to take a pause on the game, I'm sneaking up on this enemy because you can sneak in this game now. There's enemies that are patrolling and you try and like sneak up on them. 
and I wallop this guy in the back of the head with an axe. And he goes, huh, is someone there? <laughs> and so I'm like, yeah, I just, I chopped half your head open. Someone's here. <laughs> you know, I just and realized. It, it was just a moment of such absurdity. I had to take a break. <laughs> I just realized we're, in, we're still in the news section. And we totally just jumped into this game like we're in the gaming section. Uh, oh. It's it's really fun. It's really good. Uh, what what else do we have to tell them about the news side of this? Because we should probably yeah keep we moving. we need to get on from this. Otherwise, I will talk about this game the entire night. Listen for more in the news so, in so the game because section. I did have a plan yeah. to talk about another game today. I'm gonna make this real quick. But the third topic in the news is someone has gone and made a modification to the GameCube ROM for the Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time and give him my hat. I'm a huge Ocarina of Time fan. <laughs> and uh, basically, his name is Brian MP16, and it's using a pre-existing Kaze uh, emulator that did a first-person mod, and he's kind of messing around with that. So I'm not going to go into that because we already talked about so much of the other stuff, but I love Ocarina of Time, and it's really, really cool to see these kinds of mods. I haven't had a chance to check it out myself, but I'm definitely going to be checking that out at some point this week. I want so to. What, modding for there? games like this, especially old games, is this a was this an Ocarina of Time mod that was built onto another game, such as like Pavlov? You know, people have ported entire Zelda maps into Pavlov, or is this they took the original Ocarina of Time and shoved VR into it? It literally is taking the ROM and hacking the files, so it is one hundred percent using the original code from Nintendo. That seems so absurd. <laughs> yeah, and what, I, I guarantee you, if, if you boot it up, it's one of those situations that you better have your VR legs because there's going to be a lot of jank. <laughs> it's yeah, so with sick. this, does it add it all to the original game playing it in VR? Because games that are that old, is it is it worth it playing with the updated hardware VR at that point? I mean, I, I like Ocarina of Time so much. Just yeah, being maybe able to you're walk not around the, best the town. To ask, right? <laughs> yeah, just, just being able to walk around the town. I'm like, yes, do it. You know, I made I made a whole video of VR chat worlds from these Zelda games, and I, I mean, for me, that's just just putting me in the town with the NPCs. I've already won, so at that <laughs> point, I don't care. But so you are the target audience for this. Um, <laughs> however, for but for someone who may be is a little bit more casual. Like, I've never been huge on the Zelda games. I'm like, oh, this seems kind of interesting. You know, play Ocarina of Time. Is it going to be worth the hassle for me no. to go through the crazy process not, of modding? Do not. <laughs> don't, 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 don't expect Resident Evil 4 VR. That will yeah, not okay. be the case. <laughs> Wait till there's something simpler. Well, for the listeners who are curious about this, what do you have to have a PC, right? There's no way you're getting this thing on your quest only. This has got to be played through PC VR, I'm guessing. Yeah, it has to be basically there's a special version of the Dolphin emulator, which is the GameCube emulator, and they made a special Dolphin VR emulator, which I have messed around with, and it has all its own settings. You can mess around with all these things, and I will admit, uh, if you play Star Fox when you're flying, it works really, really well with Dolphin VR, but Dolphin VR is kind of like Vorpex in a way where you're... It's different, but it's you're doing all this weird stuff, so you kind of have to expect that Things are not going to be proper. And the other thing, too, that I heard is apparently there's some anti-cheat mechanism in the original game. And apparently this triggers it. So certain oh, things completely no. glitch out because of that. So, you know, this this is for fans of Ocarina of Time to experience being in the world with the VR. But I, I don't even think it's possible to complete the entire game this way. Yeah, so don't expect any... 
don't expect any Ocarina of Time VR speedruns anytime soon. <laughs> I'm sure you'll see it. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see it. Well, let, let's talk about some games. Uh, but first, we got to tell you about the amazing sponsor of the podcast. This week's gaming section is brought to you by Asterian Products and their high-quality universal VR headset stand. You know them. It's the Asterian Aura VR headset stand. They've also got a gorgeous one called the Vertex that holds your headphones on there. If you haven't got one already, it's minimalist. It's beautiful. You can kind of see the outline of one over here, actually, on my camera. Uh, of course, that one's customized. But if you want to get one right now, either go to AsterianProducts.com. Adam Shroy went off. Uh, I love use it. The code full dive for five dollars off any order of ninety nine or more, or you can go to Amazon because we all you know just love Amazon and Jeff Bezos and his space stuff. But use code full dive twenty one on Amazon, save some money, and we've got some amazing games to talk about this week. How? Let's just start off real quick. How much time has everybody spent in Resident Evil Four VR? Because I wanted to spend a lot more than three or four hours, which is where I'm at. What about you guys? I am proud to say that I have spent a precise zero hours in Resident Evil 4. <laughs> Dang it. I thought Adam was going to be there. You, you had to have taken the cake on this one then. Yeah, I, I I have in the game recorded four hours, but because I know what I'm doing, I think that's probably closer to six hours, maybe a little <laughs> bit more for normal play playthrough. Oh, looks like I was, I'm in also the company not of easy, two. And I mm -hmm. also was, was a little bit rushing when I got told that I had to get you know, nice and far into the game for tonight. <laughs> it looks like I'm in the company of two huge Resident Evil fans then. And Four, I'm really excited yes. to see the game through your guys' eyes because it's a game that I have never played. Not the original, not VR. I just haven't touched it. Not any RE game. Uh, Not any Resident Evil game. No, wow. not a single one. Just not a wow. fan of the series. Wow. Oh, you hurt me. You hurt my soul. <laughs> I know. Here, Just here like we, that, we lost half our listeners, right? Here we are yeah. loving Zelda and loving Resident Evil, and Adam's over there loving I don't even know what. Blade uh, and Sorcery. Yeah. <laughs> well, for the listeners who haven't ever played a Resident Evil game and haven't ever played Resident Evil 4 specifically. And Adam. And Adam. <laughs> the Resident Evil series is a survival horror. It was kind of one of the original survival horror series. And the, the genre changed a lot over the years. The very first game was this weird, almost static security camera thing where you'd run through a hallway and it would switch the camera angles on you from this weird third-person security camera style perspective. Resident Evil 4 changed that lip. What did it do? Uh, well, it was the first time that your camera got moved from basically behind you and you actually had control over the camera. Because like mm -hmm. you said before, even up until the uh, Code Veronica, it was still doing those fixed camera kind of thing. And this basically was the first time that they did that. And if you look at the time they did that in the game industry, they essentially popularized the third person shooter as we know it today. Yep. Yep. It, it went third person for the first time ever. This is a game where you're up against zombies and other monsters. It's survival horse. So you have limited resources. You're low. They're on not bullets. zombies, dude. <laughs> it's a virus that makes them like zombies. I'm trying to keep this it's, simple for it's people. A, it's a classic joke. It's a, I, had to, I had to put the line in. <laughs> uh, it's it's an amazing universe. It has movies. You probably you might have seen the movies and never played the games. Uh, not all of them do it justice, but I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole. Uh, <laughs> You're, you got to manage your inventory because you might run out of bullets at any time and be stuck with only your knife. Well, now, this last week, Resident Evil 4, one of the best ones, in my opinion, of the entire series, launched fully in VR, built somewhat for VR. They still used original game files, but they redesigned a lot of it. And Lip, how did it feel going back? Uh, honestly, I think I think for me, 
when you first get in, like after you do that car ride and you see the crows and you see that area around you and there's like dense forestry around you, it just has this wow effect because even though it is a PlayStation 2 GameCube game originally, they definitely took those assets and updated them over the years. I'm sure for the HD version, it's got a huge update for the assets in that regard. And and because of that, everything looks very like sharp and very nice. It, it almost, I'm not going to say it's a PC VR game style, but it looks like PC VR in the sense where the textures are very crisp. And I think that was the biggest thing for me is that it just sort of, your eyes are just like, whoa, this is, this is awesome. Yep, really, that really surprises me, especially with given how old the game is, that you're still able to feel that crispness in the graphics. I, I might be blinded by nostalgia to the point <laughs> where it's the most crisp I've seen Resident Evil 4 more than it's necessarily the most crisp quest game. But I, I will say that for me, at least, I, I think it's a good looking quest game. Now, let's let's talk about this, because I know very little about this title, because as I said before, very little interest in just horror games as a genre. <laughs> um, last year, I was dragged into some phasmophobia and hated virtually every second of it. But uh, <laughs> uh, let's talk about this. So is this a Quest native game? So, so like, can you run it completely wirelessly without a computer? This is a Quest 2 only game. Oh, this is not on the Quest 1. This is not on the PC. You have to own a Quest 2 to play this game, which I have opinions about. I don't really love the fact that they <laughs> did that because this game is so good. Everyone in VR should be playing this. But this is a system seller. This is, I mean, people on Reddit were like, is this the best looking Quest game ever now? Because they wow. were thinking they thought they thought it was the best one. I'm not sure about that. There's some other ones that look pretty good. Red Matter and some other ones. But this one is definitely one of the most immersive. It really takes you in. Uh, Lip, there is a you, weird you actually, thing. Ahead, I, I want to stop you there because uh, you actually can. Uh, there's there's a way to get Resident Evil 4 VR running on your Oculus Quest 1. Oh. And from what I've seen from testing, it seems like there's a few parts that flag, but is it's it fully really playable. Janky? Is it doing it like through revive? Uh, no, it's connecting it, it to your. It, it, it's to literally, your... literally, you're just you're basically just taking the file and buying it from the Oculus Store, downloading the files as if like tricking your computer into thinking it's a quest to download the files, oh. and then loading them in through side quest. And like you said, you have to buy the game for this to work. So it's not you're not stealing it in any way, but it's basically just getting those files onto the Quest One, and then it works. So. I don't think that the it only runs on Oculus Quest 2 was anything more than a way to sell more Oculus Quest 2s. But it seems to be working because yeah. from the little I've heard and, and even the enthusiasm I can hear in Jay's voice over there, it seems like it was a good experience. Well, the biggest thing about this compared to other games and when you say, you know, more immersive, more all these things is that the VR doesn't really have these AAA games and Resident Evil 4 had a really, really long development cycle. They made it run on a very small GameCube discs that were very limited in terms of memory, and they optimized everything. And it feels like there's really like, like it's the, like, I love the Resident Evil series. I love mostly all the games, but <laughs> Resident Evil 4 is the one that really has that almost Nintendo feel where it has this timeless aspect to it where even if you go back and you play the outdated controls, it takes you like 15 minutes to get back associated with those controls. And it's like, this is the best game ever again, even all these years later. And this is a game that's nearly two decades old. 
So it, it's when you bring that kind of experience into VR and you it's competing against games that are de- designed for VR that don't have immense depth, don't have all these boss fights, don't have big long like this is a 12 hour campaign. Like At you, least. you start to think of it like that and it's like this is a huge experience and as much as I love Saints and Sinners and you know Saints and Sinners has the full physics based ragdoll combat it's it's just impossible to compare it with a game like Resident Evil 4 that is a full giant game and honestly one of the best ones we've ever gotten through the history of video gaming wow that is a really bold statement there <laughs> it's bold but i would say top 10 video games of my life Resident Evil 4 is up there it is it was such a good game for its time. And going back in VR now and playing it again, I'm realizing it wasn't just back then. It wasn't just what it was. It has so many good things about it. the story. The story, you know, it's Resident Evil. They, they have some cheesy lines and stuff, but like you get so involved in what you're doing. And also there's so much to it. There's so many side things. You got a bartering system where you're getting new guns. You're getting upgrades for those guns, installing them on the guns. You're selling Hello, stranger that you find. <laughs> you're, you know, there's, there's just so many levels to the game too, that it's not just this survival horror shooter. There's so many things. That's the thing when, when lip, you were talking about, you know, your three hours is like most people's six. My four hours <laughs> is like most people's one because I'm like finding stuff <laughs> and I'm like running back and selling it. I fill up my inventory with fish and I go back and sell it to the dude. And then I go back and get more fish and I sell it to the dude again. Like I spend so much time in this game because I'm hunting down every little thing, every piece of treasure there is. I'm going back to the guy to sell it and i'm just i'm spending in immense amounts of time in this game it's and in vr now they've made it so good everything works so well you, have, you can have a knife in one hand you can have your gun in the other hand and you're using your arm to stabilize your gun and when someone gets too close and you're shooting you quickly slash them with your knife you got shotguns and other guns like i don't want to give away the whole game but there's just adam you need to play I, I never this did game that. so we can no, talk about it i never did that knife thing i never did that let's talk about it for a second then so I'm not a fan of horror games. Mm-hmm. I'm not a fan of Resident Evil. Mm-hmm. Is this still a title you'd recommend for me? Yes. It's not a horror game. Wow. This is not a horror game. If you think this is a horror game, then you got the wrong idea. This is an action game. <laughs> uh, in VR, it's a little more horror than it was on the GameCube. I'll give it that, though. It's, it's still the thing not is, a horror is, game. On the GameCube, you had the, the issues of movement because you couldn't move while you were aiming on the GameCube. This, you can just wander around mm-hmm. easily shooting and hitting heads is immensely easy compared to using I think you had to use the left analog stick actually to aim on the GameCube. I don't think it was even using the right stick at all. So you kind of get into a situation where as difficult as that GameCube game was, and believe me, it was extremely difficult. I actually had to use Action Replay when I originally played that game to beat it. (laughs) Part of that was me not really knowing how this game was supposed to be played. But either way, I mean, the difference is immense because I the boss fight that I got stuck on that had to use Action Replay to beat well, I beat him today, and I don't think he even hit me. <laughs> it's That's... just that knowledge of the game. You became an expert back in the day. Well, I can, I can, I can verify that that big boss fight, the the big first, the first one in that shed against the guy that splits in half and looks like I don't know. I forget what his name is. Maybe he's like the the old Sadler guy. I don't know. But basically, <laughs> that boss fight has an exploit where you can go to the top and you can sort of hide behind this beam. And it very much still works in the VR version. <laughs> they didn't change a lot there. They changed the VR dynamics of it. It's 40 bucks. Uh, Lip, I had an interesting question when I was playing it. I almost wondered, did VR make it too easy compared to the old way? So with the $40 in mind, is it, of course, worth the $40? But is it also a little too easy in VR now? 
I, I would say that it goes it goes like two ways where the opening feels like stupidly easy. But as soon as you start getting into the situation where the zombie heads turn into like the whatever the biohazard thing, you know, they still require a decent amount of shots to to break them down. And even with the Punisher, which is the gun that goes like shoots through them, if you get all the medallions. Wow. But even with all that kind of stuff, you know, I was noticing that I'm just like, wow, I'm just like barreling through bullets. And <laughs> honestly, Ashley is just like standing in front of the zombies and getting herself hurt, using up all my <laughs> eggs. So it's one of those things that I'm like at the, st- the, the start, I felt like it was super, super easy. But where the last part that I was like, when I was going through the castle area, I was like, okay, now I'm starting to get, you know, a little bit more difficult. But it really comes down to the fact that they just swarm you. And mm-hmm. honestly, I am like the ultimate Resident Evil hoarder where <laughs> even like any any kind of ammo that's not like the default pistol, I'm like, oh, I can't use that. That's only for bosses. This <laughs> is only for it. boss. <laughs> and then you get to the point where you're like, oh, I've got, you know, like 500. I don't know, I don't know if it's 500, but I had at least 300 ammo for the SMG before I even bought the SMG. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, now I have this gun that I haven't been using for most of the game. And I grabbed that and I was like, oh, this thing is nice. Oh, and it can you know, just mow down the guys. But it's Skyrim like, style. Save every potion in the game. Never <laughs> use it. Well, if you, ha- if you have all the like, because the thing is, is that when you get later on, you want those flash grenades because those are the things that instantly kill those biohazard things. And if you get, you know, four or five of those at one time, there's no running away from those, especially when you have Ashley to worry about. You you literally sure. need to throw those flash grenades down. So if you waste all those, they don't just give you an unlimited supply. So you kind of have to be very strategic. But the other thing, too, is that if you play Resident Evil, especially the earlier ones with the earlier difficulties, they don't give you ammo to shoot everything in the game. <laughs> mm-hmm. They give you enough ammo to get by. Thankfully, the easy mode in Resident Evil VR, and I think in the... The GameCube never had the easy mode originally, so I'm not sure where that could add it all in. But basically, if you sit there and shoot all your pistol ammo, it's like flooding you with pistol ammo right after that. So I know at one point I was at no pistol ammo, and then about five minutes later, I had over 100 pistol ammo, and I was like, <laughs> oh, okay. So yeah, I'm, I'm playing on normal. Aggressive. I'm playing on normal, yeah. but I played the game probably ten times back in the day at least. Oof. So I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty versed in how to play. And one thing that you can do too, uh, if you're really worried about ammo, because you can now two hand weapons, unlike you could in the original game. <laughs> I'll shoot someone in the face, and then they they get stunned. You run up and kick them, so that knocks them over. And then I'll just <laughs> repeatedly knife them while they're on the ground before they get up, and I can kill them in in essence with only one bullet if I do it that way. And so I keep ending up with too much am i almost sold some of it but adam's over there totally lost because he hasn't played this and we're saying all these weird things no i i mean i'm hearing these high level strategies of i shoot him <laughs> and then i kick him when he's down you know like literally kick him and i'm just like yeah okay whatever um I'll, but but here's the honest. number one biggest question that i have about resident evil 4 is this so let's compare it to another uh pc to vr port that i've played in the past minecraft so with Minecraft VR, it's one of those games where it's amazing to go in it and view the world through Minecraft VR in that um, fully immersive aspect. But it's never going to replace playing Minecraft as I normally do. It just feels like an entirely different experience um, and maybe not better or worse, just different. And I'm going to play with it and, and interact with the world in a different way. 
does Resident Evil feel like that? Does it feel like the regular game, but better? Or does it feel like sort of an entirely different experience in a sense? I would say for me, at least, because I actually thought about this a lot. I feel like this is the ultimate add-on to the Resident Evil 4 flat experience. But I think that a lot of the mechanics in the game are totally lost if you never played the original game or if you never played any of those third-person Resident Evil games that have Mm -hmm. that style. Because I know a lot of people were like, oh, why can't you stab with the knife? And I'm just like, the knife is for slashing. We slash. And I'm like, you know, and even Jay, like he clearly has the idea of how the knife is supposed to be held in the game doing the slicing Mm -hmm. motion. But if you never played the original game, that concept is foreign to you. Some of the treasures, like a lot of people might not know this, but well, first of all, you can sell the treasures, which I don't know if you, the way that they have the menus, it's a little confusing. You can even sell the treasures. But on top of that, some of the treasures, like the, like, for example, I had a big mug. And if you combine <laughs> it with all these little crystals, uh, that has three spots for crystals. Well, and suddenly this mug becomes way more valuable and you can earn way more gold from it. But if you don't know you can do that, well, then you're out of luck. The Punisher gun that I mentioned you can buy that gun before you have before you get the ability to get 10 medallions to get the gun for free. So if you're just wasting money buying guns you don't need, well, then you're out of luck. You look at your inventory space, you don't have space for every gun in the game. You have to pick and choose which guns you're going to have. And I know there's four free guns it's going to give me throughout the game. So I'm not going to buy a lot of guns. Like I said, I w- waited so long to buy the SMG because I was just like, I'm just going to stockpile ammo because there's no point in me picking up another gun that's going to clog up my inventory and then I can't pick up the fish because the big fish takes up so much space and I'm like, yo, I can't pick up the big fish because I got too much inventory. So then I'm sitting here with just one pistol the whole game because I'm like, yo, I gotta get that fish. Adam's but it's like, like, what are we the, talking about with that's the fish? Thing. No, I'm just hearing, <laughs> this is a game where you shoot not zombies in the face and then kick them. And I'm like, and then I sold this enormous fish and that's like a core part of your strategy for the game. And I get a lot of money for those just, fish. Yeah. yeah, you get a lot of money for those fish, and those upgrades are not cheap. Like you can't just upgrade everything. Like, like you could you could stockpile all the money you want. You can get every single piece of gold. You can go backtrack fifty times. You stick it to a point where you're like, oh, I can't upgrade this thing, and then you're just searching everywhere for gold. Or you're like, do I do I sell the shotgun? Do I do I give up on the shotgun so I have enough money to buy this upgrade? And <laughs> that's what makes because, it like so I said, deep. When you get that free rocket launcher, you're basically you're, you're trapped because it takes up so much space. Yeah, but that's where the depth comes in. You know, you've got all these different things you're thinking about. You're not just fighting. And then once you, you know, it's pretty early in the game, so this isn't a spoiler, but once you get Ashley, we're talking about her. She's someone you have to protect off and on throughout the game, escort mission style. So all of a sudden you have to play it differently. You can't just run away and gun. You have to like think about that. So I, it's really good. Adam, you got to play it because we'll talk about it. You'll hear it again on one of the review episodes, one of the mini episodes we've started now because there's so much more depth and we got to get further into it before we can really go further. Uh, VR sickness and a few other little things we didn't touch on. So we'll we'll touch on those real fast. If you're new to totally new to VR, this game it does have full motion. It has full options. So you can change those. You can do those. But be cautious, set a timer, because the problem is with this game, even if you have your legs, you're going to get into it and you might play for two or three hours and not realize you're pushing your own limits. So be careful with that. Uh, and we got to probably touch on the only con in it. Well, Lip, before you get to that, just go because ahead, you ahead. mentioned motion sickness, yeah, uh, I yeah. will say that for someone that never gets motion sickness, I had little tweak of feeling like motion sickness oh, wow. while I was in the boat. Because the when boat. you're controlling the boat with like full immersion thing, 
you're literally driving the boat with like your analog stick and you're trying to worry about getting this fish monster. So you're just twirling around your body. You're twirling around the right stick. So it gets a little bit intense. If you are in any way susceptible to motion sickness, do not hit immersive for that boss fight. (laughs) (laughs) And you're going to think, oh, I want to. The game tries to warn you so hard. It's like, are you sure you really want to be immersive in the boat? Uh, So, yeah, think about that if you're going to play that part. And the only con I would say that the game has is they didn't want to re-engineer all the cutscenes in VR. So if you go to kick a monster, it like pulls your vision out of Leon. You stay in VR for that, but you stay in VR, but you suddenly are behind him and you see him do his spin kick and then you go back into his face. But the actual cutscenes, it like puts you into a virtual theater where you see the cutscene on a screen. And that's the one thing that pulls you out. It's less immersive. Lip, what did you think about all that? So truthfully, I changed around my settings to minimize that stuff from happening as much as possible. Uh, so I made it so like instead of watching a cutscene for see Leon climbing up a ladder, I just go up the ladder. Just skips so, it. Because is me, that it's a just bit like, jarring? Is nah, that a bit jarring honestly, to be able to pull your camera out and then watch like you're playing as this character and then you do it and then oh look I'm watching myself kick a dude in the face? Is that a bit jarring to have that happen? Not really, because it it kind of just zooms mm. outwards. More than it's sort of like your character, it's sort of like you stands forward and then just Leon comes in front of you and he's like pushing a bookcase or something or he's jumping through a window or something. It's <laughs> just there's just no other way of doing it. So you kind of accept that the only the only other way they would have done it is to program commands in like Saints and Sinners have. And I don't think they wanted to let you manually climb ladders or push mm-hmm. yourself over things. And it's just that that's the b- biggest thing with this is that it's still an old game within it. And it doesn't have those kind of physics or motion controls to do those types of things. Yeah, that's probably the only con I would give it so far. I'll be interested to hear once you play more on it, Adam, and we'll go real in depth on that episode and talk about it. But that is a thing (laughs) I kind of want to look at it now that you say it, Lip, and see what options I can change to where there's less of that, because I would almost have rather had them cut those out than then have it pull to that third person sometimes. So I I do wish that they had thought about that. And hopefully the next time they do something like this, they'll go full in because they're going to see some crazy sales off this, I'm sure. Well, the biggest thing about all that stuff that I found in game was actually annoying was that wherever you're looking when the cutscene starts is where it centers your cutscene. Yes. So if you yes. tilt your head just slightly and the cutscene starts because like, oh, I go to a cutscene, I'll go get a glass of water. And you tilt your head and grab that glass of water. Now the cutscene's over here and you want to look here and you're like recentering the camera mid cutscene. And it's just it's a weird thing to nitpick. But when you're opening up the menus, trying to like move around your guns, it kept happening to me and I kept getting annoyed by it. And honestly, that was when that's the biggest con I can find in this game. I mean, it's a pretty good game. (laughs) It is. Well, if you're out there and you're playing Resident Evil 4 and you disagree, you want to come talk to us about it. You want to come tell us that we're all brilliant and smart and we know what we're talking about. Come join our Discord server. Tell us we're all there. We'd love to talk about it. (laughs) Obviously, me and Lip have a ton to say, but we got to wrap this up and get this podcast over with for all of you who are like in the car right now trying to get into work, waiting for it to end. Adam, what else can they do if they want to interact with us? Well, you know, one of the biggest opportunities they have on the Discord server is to influence our Q&A section. Today, we had an amazing question from one of our viewers, Crowd Nation, and he asked us right on the Discord channel, and it is probably going to prompt an entire other episode Mm -hmm. because we just started to get too deep into it today. Um, But you can not only ask us questions, but provide suggestions on what games we're going to play, what we're going to talk about, 
uh, chat about all things VR. Maybe you can hop in and try and eventually convince me to play Resident Evil 4 with these guys, right? <laughs> um, you can become a direct supporter of our podcast on Patreon and get priority on our Q&A questions. If you're listening to the podcast, consider checking out the YouTube channel where you can see us and for the first time, our actual in-person faces. <laughs> if you're watching on YouTube, consider taking us on the go or anywhere. We're on pr- virtually every audio platform that you can imagine. Uh, but as always, thank you so much for listening. And remember, when it comes to VR, you have to dive, dive on, on in. in.